This is a Rooster Teeth production. August 10th, 1628. The newly built warship, the Vasa, an incredibly ornate and well-armed ship, and it's the pride of the Swedish Empire, sinks almost immediately after it launches. It's an unmitigated disaster and an embarrassment for the king. And today, nearly 400 years later, the Vasa is both a historical treasure and a lesson in what not to do. That feels like a, a through line for all our episodes. <laughs> An embarrassment and a lesson in what not to do. And let's hope that these fools keep on chugging because we need content. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's like uh, ships and my cousins are always lessons in what not to do. And embarrassment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but can your cousins teach us... Uh, Invaluable knowledge about 17th century Swedish shipbuilding? Uh, no. Uh, oh, okay. What's the best aerosol can to enjoy? Yes. But, <laughs> yeah, no. recreational aerosol. Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be sure to get them on the show at some point. Uh, who are you? <laughs> Thank you so much for asking. I'm Charlotte. I'm Patrick. I'm Brian. And could I also just add ahoy and welcome aboard Ship Hits the Fan, a podcast about some of history's most notable uh-ohs and whoopsies on the high seas? Sure. Great. Done. Let's do it. Yeah. I already did it. We should do a podcast about history's most notable uh-ohs and whoopsies within Brian's gene pool. <laughs> oh, we don't have enough seasons, baby. <laughs> yeah, I figured it might be too big an undertaking. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, northern yeah. Louisiana blood runs deep. <laughs> and very, and very it gets, thick. It gets frothy. Yep. Jesus. All right. It's a good one today. A tale of Swedish construction gone awry. Complete with confusing directions and loose, nonsensical plans? What is this? A story about the Lomarp I built in my living room? Mm. Or maybe the <laughs> Solderham I lost the screws for? Okay. You want to talk sinking ships? How about sinking spirits? As I come to realize I'd use the Godeshus directions to build my Schmastad. <laughs> nice. Shots fired on... Sweden. <laughs> I saw the spit take that was so <laughs> I heard it, yeah. More Burbank. That was incredible. Or the big the big IKEA in Burbank. Oh, I go to the one in Carson. You know each one it works as an embassy for the Swedish <laughs> Is Empire. That true? <laughs> yeah. I was in an IKEA recently and uh, the system was down and people were not happy. It was cash only. No, no, yeah, it was cash only. Big line, one register, because only one person in the store was trained in cash. What the hell? Yeah. Ugh. Trained Those umlauts get a lot less cute when I can't use my credit card. Yep. Yeah, the cashier is on record as saying, port, port, port. Okay, that's, that's incredibly <laughs> offensive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Woo, Buckle up, folks. Here we go. Here we go. And I am like a quarter Swedish, so I can say anything I want. In this episode. Yeah, you're from Minnesota. Well, yeah, seriously. Yeah. You're yeah. either Swedish or Somalian. Or Norwegian. Or Norwegian, okay. Or Hmong. Yeah, or Hmong. Yeah. Okay. When Jesse Ventura got elected governor, my dad explained it to me as those big Swedes up there respect a guy like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you uh, as much as I... Look, I've seen him at the mall, okay? I was what I'm trying to say. You've seen Jesse Ventura at the mall. I've seen Jesse at the mall. The Mall of America? It was, yeah. Wow. I looked looked over the top of the railing, and I just see the body signing books outside of the Barnes & Noble. I was like, huh. 
Wow. Yes. That's like when Dan Aykroyd came to my liquor store. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've also heard him do a long rant about, uh, I like to, when I ride my motorcycle in Minnesota, <laughs> I had long dreadlocks and I don't want to wear a helmet. <laughs> that was his big thing is he was mad about helmet laws for motorcycles. Anyway, we don't have time. Yeah, well, it's fascist. Look, before we talk about the Vasa, we need to talk about the Swedish Empire. Because back in the day, it was kind of a big deal. During the 17th century, Sweden had risen to become a major European power. Its monarch, Gustavus Adolfus, aka King Gustav II Adolf, ruled over most of the Baltic region and led his country through a series of major victories against Denmark, Poland, and Russia. Dang. Uh, king, King, we love the name. Um, how about shortening to, it to just King Gustav II? I am Gustavus just, just Adolphus. No. Right, yeah, no, I... No, we have to add Adolf to the end. <laughs> we. What if we put a two in the middle? Would that be good? I, 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 just, I just have a bad feeling about it. I don't know why, I just do. Fine, I'll do it, <laughs> but majesty. I get a ship. <laughs> Thank you, your majesty. <laughs> uh, but... Gustavus Adolphus had a problem. First of his name. Yes. Well, second. Of Breaker his name, of chains. Like. <laughs> Mother of dragons. Uh, no. If he was going to maintain his dominance in the Baltic, he needed a stronger navy. And this made a lot of sense. During Gustavus Adolphus's reign, the Thirty Years' War was raging nearby, engulfing much of present-day Germany. It was one of the most destructive wars in European history, which is saying something. Uh, an estimated 4.5 to 8 million soldiers and civilians died as a direct result. So, yeah. Needless to say, Gustavus Adolphus wanted to modernize his fleet, which was in desperate need of modernization. Historically, the Swedish Navy consisted mostly of small to medium-sized ships with a single gun deck armed with 12-pound and smaller cannons. These ships were cheaper and well-suited for escort and patrol, and at this time, ship battles were much different than they are today. The prevailing wisdom was, to win a naval battle, you boarded enemy ships rather than exchange gunfire with each other. Yeah, this was a, a change in ship-to-ship in, in -ship combat. Would you say it was a sea change? I would say it was a oh, Baltic oh. sea change. Uh, that had been a long time coming because we heard about this with the Mary Rose when King Henry was like, it needs more guns. Yes. And, oh, that's know, right. You know, yeah, prior prior to this, they, they would just send the guys onto the other ship. No wonder 4.5 to 8 million people died <laughs> yeah. in any given war. But the king, who was really into naval warfare, a, another theme is monarchs who just love <laughs> war yeah. at sea. Yeah. I mean, well, and this guy, this guy was considered uh, a great military commander. He uh, he early introduced combined arms, kind of mixing up various, you know, uh, pieces of combat uh, hardware and using them together. So he he was legit. But yeah, really into naval stuff. Of course. Notable for taping bayonets to each of his fingers. Yeah. He was unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he saw the potential of ships as floating arsenals. Plus, he thought that large, heavily armored ships made a more dramatic statement. Heavily True. armored. True. Yeah, I yeah. mean, correct. He's on the money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Gustavus Adolphus made a decision, make more ships and arm them to the teeth. I don't care how many orphans starve. Put our money in the sea. <laughs> Fire them out of the cannons. <laughs> if we have to. <laughs> Are the workhouses not in order? <laughs> Beginning with the Vasa, he ordered a series of ships with two full gun decks outfitted with much heavier guns. In all, he ordered five warships built, and the Vasa was the pride of the new fleet. It was a beast. 
more than 226 feet long with two gun decks, 64 bronze cannons, and capable of supporting a 450-man crew. Good. It's good, a good. big ship. Mm. She's a beauty. This chungus is the biggest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Make it wider. I was doing that was German. As <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, they're yeah. all related. Make yeah, it yeah, yeah. They all have the same gods, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, no. Yeah, German. They're like into Odin and stuff. Mm. Okay. Germanic yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. In addition to being wildly ambitious for Sweden, the ship was perhaps the most ambitious in all of Europe during this period. To show off the new prize, the king ordered the Vasa's exterior covered in ornate carvings that portrayed stories of the royal family and Gustavus Adolphus himself. The new ship was named for the Vasa dynasty from which the king had descended, and it was designed by shipmaster Henrik Hibertsen. We all know Henrik. We all know Henrik, yeah. The Vasa was hailed as a feat of engineering, and everyone thought that it was sure to strike terror in the heart of the king's enemies, and maybe it would have if not for <laughs> what comes next. It was the 64 cannons that really set the Vasa apart, making it one of the most formidable ships in the kingdom. However, there was a problem. Despite all the accolades and being a beautiful piece of craftsmanship. Beautiful, telling so many stories. I mean, the amount of just artisans that went into car these ornate carvings. These ornate. It looks bananas. That very yeah. looks heavy bananas. carvings. Yes, yeah. it does. <laughs> yes. Like, that is where a lot of the budget went. And, and again, a lot of the top weight. <laughs> well, hang on. <laughs> don't spoil it. I don't think I am. I think I'm foreshadowing. I mean, it is. Read a book. It's beautiful. I mean, you, yeah. You can see a model of it. Like, the wreck also, we'll get into all this, but, like, you, mm -hmm. there's also a model of what it would have looked like straight out of the dealership, and it's it's gorgeous. I mean... <laughs> Don't buy it new. Off the it, lot. It, it loses, it loses it, half its value yeah, once you sail right. off the lot. The that's ships right. like these depreciate like you would not believe, okay? You're going to want pre-owned. So, these design flaws. For one, it was only supposed to carry 36 cannons. That's about half of what was actually on the ship. When the king heard that the Danish were constructing a ship with two gun decks, uh. <laughs> he instructed the builders to adjust accordingly, making the gun deck far too heavy. Uh, what are you going to do? Another theme. Denmark surpassing? Another here? theme of this show. What? Just what, so much weight at the top of the ship. Yeah, from the beginning. I thought you were going to say royal pettiness. Well, that also, but yeah, from our very first episode. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you try to keep up with the Ooglugsons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Fjorpendorps. Well, the, the funny thing about this is they knew this. They knew that the top was heavy. They're, this comes back later. But, you know, yeah. conventional ship wisdom says we'll put more weight in the bottom than that will balance out and lower the center of gravity. But that would have dragged many of the gun decks below the waterline. So they yeah. were like, well, well, it's better off like this. Luckily, we have Henrik Hibbertson. King. Does, well, no, not, don't the, get not too, the king. Don't get too king. attached. No, I know, but like lowercase k, king. <laughs> oh, oh, like go off. Legend. Like a, yeah, yeah, go okay, off, Henrik. Well, actually, hmm. So what I'm reading now is that uh, when the second gun deck was ordered, Hibbertson simply scaled up the existing design with no thought of weight distribution or center of gravity. It's like doubling a brownie recipe. You, you, yeah. you double all the ingredients and you put it in the oven twice as long. <laughs> yeah. They thought, <laughs> they, thought the all those, <laughs> <laughs> they thought all those consonants in their names would save them. Nope. Mm -mm. 
Nope. Uh, and all those wooden carvings. Again, very beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but they were heavy and they weighed the ship down. Ew. What's worse, the ship was a rush job. What's the old phrase? Like, you can have it done quickly or you can have it done right? Well, like it's like yeah. right, fast, or cheap. A village and you get to, to pick two. Yeah, it's two birds, birds with in the bush. Yeah. <laughs> birds with a stone in the bush. <laughs> and the stone of a spoon. <laughs> you can either work hard or hardly work. And always go with the second one. Mm -hmm. yes, and if always. you're the king, you're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> the impatient king pushed the shipbuilders to finish the Vasa as soon as possible. Wait, we asked my ship? Yeah. I mean, he's impatient. He wants his new toy. Yeah. Uh, and also kept interfering with the plans. What? Endlessly fiddling with measurements and demanding constant modifications. I love that. I love that for a guy who knows absolutely nothing about shipbuilding. No, see, you're doing it all wrong. She's constantly sending new blueprints and ideas to this guy who already is making a ship that can't possibly sail. Yeah, this is the guy that has contractors out to make his new bathroom, and he's mm -hmm. like, well, now hang on, this, that is not how you lay tile. It's like the Winchester house. I'm not familiar. Oh, yeah. It's the, so, like, yeah. heiress to the Winchester rifle, like, the gun. Oh, okay. Uh, she was kind of, like, actively losing her mind and terrified that the ghosts of all the people killed by Winchesters would haunt her. I mean... So she kept built... She built this insane house with, like, stairways that go nowhere, doors that open to nothing, or to, like, a 20-foot drop or something. It's just... It's essentially a maze that... Ghosts would get lost in. That's be, I think. so funny. You and know, I think, smart, I think, I think smart she just, move. It is, and I think she just never stopped building it. Yeah, I think always that's right. hustled. Yeah. Yeah. Never stopped building. Yeah. I'm looking at a picture of it now, and it looks like the Inception version of Disneyland. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it's all it's, turning in it's on it's crazy. Um, it's in it's in California, I believe. We should um, so we could make a pilgrimage. We should we should do like a a special one-off bonus land episode where we talk <laughs> about Winchester. like house disasters like Grover House that like crazy one with like insulation under the stairs and like 35 <laughs> cabinets the yeah yeah <laughs> you don't uh, want your feet to be cold then a shortage of money in the middle of the project led to more delays oh and uh yeah Hibbertson our famed designer unfortunately died during the ship's construction oh no he had ornate that king carving. probably, yeah, all these requests. I'm sure he just stressed out and finally just keeled over. Yeah, he, yeah, he got ornate carving poisoning. <laughs> to make matters worse, because he was such an experienced shipbuilder, he worked off of his knowledge of standard ship design at the time. That which, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Why but not? it does not work with when you're basically trying to rewrite how ships are made mm -hmm. for a totally We're new We're just going to eyeball it, baby. Just yeah. eyeball it. Go with your gut. Yeah. Uh, this meant he worked with basically no physical plans, designs, or specifications. Oh. It's all in his head, which, I mean, he probably, you probably could have done very successfully for a long time. Yeah. Uh, however, Plus this is- Plus a micromanaging CEO, yes. what, which always, always goes well. And this is, I mean, look, I don't know where he was and where the king was, but I imagine it, it could have taken some time to get these plans. They, You know what? They might have been in the same city. Who knows? But they could have been roommates. I'm also, I'm imagining they get one thing done and then it's like, okay, so we're not doing that idea anymore. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, finally, the Vasa was finished. And on August 10th, 1628, it was unveiled to the public as it prepared to set off on its maiden voyage from Stockholm Harbor. 
do not be on a ship for its maiden voyage. Another thing we've learned. <laughs> mm -mm. Mm -mm. Maybe don't do buy not... a game on day one and yep. don't go on a maiden voyage. Yes. Maybe don't be on a ship. That's also a good lesson. They are beautiful, though. Sailing while Irish, one of the most dangerous things anyone can do. <laughs> its first trip would not be a long one. The plan was to carry its crew and guests to the fortress of Vaxholm, where the guests would disembark. Kind of a ceremonial voyage, maybe. Yeah. It would then head on to a fleet base on the island of Alvsnabben, and there it would become the flagship of the kingdom's reserve squad. Uh, Alvsnabben, one of the more dangerous ports due to the prevalence of trolls in the region. <laughs> Fortunately, reserve squad is here to fight them. Yes. The <laughs> <laughs> this is so stupid. I'm sorry. It's the dumbest joke. The idea that the bosses. <laughs> sorry. We've had an outbreak of gnomes at Alvensnabben. <laughs> They've chewed away at the hole, sir. But I mean, I imagine they would see them coming and. Uh, By their hats? Probably be scared. Bobbing so. above the water. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say the gnomes and trolls would see the Vasa coming oh. and be like, uh oh. Maybe it's time to go back to our mountain keeps. Bronze, our worst enemy. <laughs> the idea was that the Vasa's impressive array of cannons would serve to intimidate any and all enemies. I imagine trolls, trolls included. Yes. <laughs> Almost immediately upon the Vasa's launch, things went wrong. Like we said, the Vasa was dangerously unstable with too much weight in the upper structure of the hull. And this did not go unnoticed. The ship had earned a reputation for being unstable, impressive considering it had not yet sailed. Uh, but without reliable methods of measuring this, no one truly knew just how unstable the ship was. It seems like maybe it was kind of a, hey, let's uh, cross our fingers and hope for yeah, the best. Like, I mean, it seems bad, but we yeah. don't know. She's wobbly, sure, but who knows? So is my wife. Our, there we go. Okay. Uh, and none of the, imp speaking of trolls, and none of the impatient king's subordinates <laughs> I wanted- I know wife. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. And none of the impatient king's subordinates wanted to tell him about the ship's problems for fear that its maiden voyage would be postponed. Yeah, that's the thing to worry about right God, there. This is every bad job. Obviously, this led to disaster. The day of the Vasa's launch started out promising. It was a calm day with a light breeze. But about 20 minutes into her trip, a gust of wind hit the Vasa. A gust of wind. Yeah, this is a extremely light like breezy day like a handful yeah. of knots they call it trolls breath <laughs> and that was all it took the vasa's sail billowed and the ship heeled violently to port <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah yikes now the vasa quickly righted herself but a second gust of wind pushed it to its side even further and water poured into the vasa's gun ports which had been opened to oh, give an impressive 64-gun salute to the thousands of onlookers who had uh, gathered to watch the launch. Thousands! <laughs> we gotta have the portholes open. Yep. If you're gonna do something for a crowd, check first to make sure it works. Right? Yeah, you work no. so hard to make a ship watertight, and then you just leave the front door open. Yeah. That's also so funny to think about I know the 64-gun salute with the crew on there, they probably wouldn't have all gone off at the same time, but 64 bronze cannons firing I know. I know. into a crowd. <laughs> they turned it, it by it, accident. It's not like they're all pointed the same way. It's on both sides of the ship. It's like broadside cannons and just like, Brah! 
yeah. out on all sides. What would that have done to the ship? It probably would have ripped it apart well, if the breeze hadn't taken it down. I imagine everyone on board would be deaf afterwards. <laughs> yeah, probably. It, it was going to be very impressive. Was, <laughs> uh, back when I was a Navy SEAL, we did that kind of thing all the time. <laughs> I was a statesman, a fighter. <laughs> we were we were frogmen. That's just what we did. Now, do if you, there who was do you want just this? one frogman on board that trip, I I assure you, it would not have sunk. Now, who should I make this out to? <laughs> and the king said he wanted a sixty-four gun salute, and I just said, "Well, let's go ahead and give it a try." I've done the test. That bullet couldn't possibly have made it from the depository to the. Okay, all right. We gotta, okay. we gotta, we gotta we stop. Gotta, we gotta stop. Dueling, dueling oh, Jesse Ventura. Yeah, yeah. Stomach hurts. Um, <laughs> yeah, for those of you who don't know, we're doing Jesse Ventura again. Uh, and we apologize uh, from the bottom of our heart. It's it like will I come back. Vince, it's like I told Vince, we need to unionize. And that stooge Hulk Hogan went and told on me. <laughs> Okay, the Vasa, the thing we're covering today, <laughs> arguable, yeah, collapsed on her side, about 393 feet from land, a distance that a swimmer could, even a not great swimmer, could probably cover pretty easily. Yeah. I could have easily made that. Okay, okay. <laughs> and did we mention that this was in front of a crowd of thousands? Yes, we did. <laughs> it was it was the original Challenger explosion because somewhere between 30 to 150 people drowned in this wreck. Yeah, maiden voyage. People for died. Ceremonial yeah. voyage. Yes. I said maybe you shouldn't let oh the school God. teacher steer the ship. But they didn't <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> In all, the Vasa had only traveled a total distance of 3,700 feet. That is not far. I've heard higher numbers of feet. Yeah. The journalist Lucas Larson wrote in Archaeology magazine, The sinking of Vasa took place nowhere near an enemy. <laughs> In fact, it sank in full view of a horrified public assembled to see off their navies and Europe's most ambitious warship to date. Again, 393 feet from shore, 3,700 feet into its maiden voyage, in front of thousands of people, and 30 to 150 people died. Yeah, hey, and also in front of the king. This had to be the biggest event of the year. If you're a oh my Swede. god, like, yeah, the, the last this is like bigger than the Olympics. This is like the the biggest national pride event in I, I, forever. I know yeah. I'd and be there. This We'd all be there. Oh my god, yeah, with bells on. I may my ancestors may have been there, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Getting into state of the art technology can be very expensive. Sometimes you'll be into something, you may want to start looking into it. And you see the price tag, and it is way out of your range. If you've ever shopped for electric bikes, you definitely know what I'm talking about. But electric e-bikes cost way less than other e-bikes without skimping on quality or features. 
And price isn't the only reason electric e-bikes are for everyone. They fold in half for easy storage and come fully assembled with free shipping. Plus, customize your e-bike with seat padding, size, and suspension options to maximize comfort. I love my electric bike. It's perfect for getting around. It's perfect for beating traffic, charges fast, and goes a long time. And it goes, it's very fast. Uh, it's super comfortable. It's very fun to ride. I love using it just to go to the park or wherever, go get coffee. The electric e-bike's mission is simple. Make everyday e-biking adventures accessible to the masses. It's surprisingly affordable, definitely the best bang for your buck when it comes to e-bikes, and they are customizable and adjustable to fit your lifestyle. They're also incredibly durable and have a very convenient design. And they're foldable and ship-free, fully assembled. You don't gotta do anything, you just gotta open the box. Hop on and ride with electric e-bikes. Go to electricebikes.com and get $100 off any e-bike purchase. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com. As you might imagine, the king was furious and an investigation was launched into the disaster. <laughs> Who, whose fault is the? Who yeah. did this? A special commission was led by the king's older half-brother, Admiral of the Realm, Carl Carlson... Gillenheim. Wow. Gillenheim. They really used yeah. to just, where was this guy, you know, where was this guy when they were handing out names? I <laughs> must have slept in. Gustavus Adolphus wanted answers and he wanted them now. So the Vasa's surviving officers were all brought before the commission and questioned. The officers and crew initially said that everything was fine on board the ship and there hadn't been any wrongdoing. The ship's captain, Sofring Hansen, survived the sinking and when grilled by the commission, initially swore that the guns had been properly secured and that the crew was sober. <laughs> we weren't worried about that until you <laughs> denied right. it. Yeah, nobody asked about that. Well, now hang on. I feel like we should be thinking about that. <laughs> Let me just say, nobody was drunk. Yeah, before nobody you Nobody had had honey wine. No. Or at all. So frig, nobody, well, all right. Yeah. Let's let's do an investigation. Okay. Well, oh now. no! Shoot! <laughs> Dang it! Stupid Sofring! Stupid! Stupid Sofring! What is it? Bron? Yeah, Bronvin. That's mm -hmm. like their. Uh, is that their? It's kind of like vodka. Choice? I think it's like vodka, basically. But that's the Swedish Probably version. Lincolnberry. That's what they were drinking. Flavored. However, an admission by shipmaster Joran Matson stunned everyone. <gasps> Snitch! Yep. Snitch! He said that the month before the Vasa launched, the captain had ordered a demonstration to be carried out. This is my favorite detail about the <laughs> yeah, Vasa, yeah. far and away. The test, called a lurch test, involved 30 of the crew running back and forth across the deck with Wise in order to see if it was stable. Look, this was the 1600s. This was science at yeah. the time. This was, this was probably done on most ships. Extremely advanced. Yeah. They might still do it today. Yeah, why not? We, we uh, had everybody running back and forth. We had the junkyard dog. We had Hillbilly Jim. We had King Kong Bund. <laughs> everyone in the ship just couldn't handle all and that. These were big boys. <laughs> okay, okay. No, we can't. We can't get all right, that all right, far into right. it again. You can do it later. The lurch <laughs> test uh, proved that the ship was not stable, not by a long shot. The test was stopped after only three rounds for fear that the ship's violent rocking would topple her right there in the harbor. 
Doesn't didn't something similar happen here with the Mary Rose? Wasn't that also tested? And they were like, or am I thinking of a different ship? There was another one no, where we, the, Mary... the Lurch test has come up before. Well, we mentioned it at RTX. Maybe that's what I'm thinking this. of. But the, okay. the Mary Rose was very stable when she was initially built, and then it was the like retrofit that that's that they right. added. That's right. Of course, more guns. Yes. More top weight. Yeah. Toppled her over. Like th- that. Clearly, it took a long time. Up through the 1910s in Chicago and beyond for people to understand what putting more weight on top of a boat does. Did to a ship, yeah. yeah. seriously. Uh, Put simply, the demonstration revealed that the Vasa was incredibly unstable. Despite this, Vice Admiral Class Fleming, who had witnessed the demonstration, didn't report the results to his superiors. Remember, the king was super impatient to get the Vasa finished, and there had already been delays from a lack of finances. So at the end of the day, there wasn't really anyone to blame but the king himself. Weird. Like we said, the ship's designer had died during construction, and the king himself had overseen every measurement. Everyone below him just went along with his orders, because, you know, he's the king. And that's how that works. I mean, he's divinely chosen, so that's the how thing. can he really be to what blame? Are you, what are you supposed to do when your leader is divinely chosen, but is also clearly wrong? No. What do you do? They're, they can't be wrong. Well, that's exactly. They can't be wrong. They're not wrong. But they're they are wrong. So how does that work? No. It doesn't make sense. Physics, nature, the the nature of shipbuilding is wrong. At it that should point. bend to yeah. his will. Exactly. But I don't know. I guess maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I don't. We got to figure that out. Uh, Get back to us. So in the end, possibly because the king was the one to blame. No one was punished or found guilty for negligence, and the blame effectively fell on Hibbertson, the ship's original designer, because he was already dead. It's so funny. What a great patsy. Like, nobody changes their behavior. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. No one gets a slap on yeah. the wrist. It's like a formality. Yeah, it's they just, like, just not this had guy's the already dead. It's easy to blame him. Let's just pass it all off there. Done. Wipe our hands of it. So, yeah. Almost immediately, there were attempts to salvage the ship, but nothing was successful. I'm sure ship salvage technology in the 1600s was not what it is today. I mean, if we remember another comparison to the Mary Rose, where they tied ropes around the mast and sent two ships sailing in opposite directions to raise it, which destroyed the masts of those the rescue ships. Or I don't know if they tied it around the mast. They tied it around something on the Mary Rose and just destroyed their own ships. Uh, Science. Was not successful. As a result, Vasa sat at the bottom of the Baltic Sea for more than 300 years until 1961 when it was finally salvaged. Incredibly... By the Beatles. Yes. (laughs) Incredibly, the ship was very well preserved. For a little more detail, journalist Lucas Larson wrote in Archaeology, the cold, oxygen-poor water of the Baltic Sea protected Vasa from the bacteria and worms that usually digest wooden wrecks. Perhaps 95% of Vasa's wood was intact when Sweden finally raised the wreck in 1961. You gotta go look up pictures of the ship because yeah. it is beautifully Insane. preserved. Yep. And, and yeah. it's and the, the people that have housed it uh, where it lives now, they know how to light a ship. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> it may sound strange, but when you see it, you'll understand. Yes. It's very um, dramatic for a ship that was for all in, uh, you know, by all counts, a complete and total failure. Yeah. A murder it, machine. It looks like you could put it in the water right now. And, and sink it, would, it all over again. And do it all again, baby. <laughs> no, but it, it seriously looks like you could put it in the water now and it would be a functioning ship. It's perfectly preserved. 
For the next three years, divers collected parts that had fallen off the ship, which included sculptures and the collapsed bulkhead. Archaeologists recovered an incredible number of artifacts from the Vasa, more than 40,000 items in all. In addition to several cannons, experts found the personal possessions of many of the sailors on board. These included chests and casks with spare clothing and shoes, tools and materials for mending, copper coins, and even a backgammon set with dice and markers. I don't <laughs> even have a full backgammon set. Yeah. It, it comes with one missing. Written on the back of the backgammon set, it said, Hans is a dirty, rotten cheater. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It made it sound like I know how to play ga- backgammon there. I do not. You could learn. I do not. I but like I, I did buy it. one from a thrift store once, and it was missing a lot of pieces. Mm. It was always on the back of the checkerboard. Yes. And like, yeah, and you're like, who the play? hell plays this? I'm not, not going to do with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It took 30 years to catalog everything recovered from the Vasa, and the artifacts proved to be an invaluable resource for life at the time. In 1990, the public got to see the Vasa for the first time in hundreds of years when it was displayed at the Vasa Museum in Stockholm. It got its own museum. Yeah, and, you know, we'll say this again at the end probably, but if you have been or have plans to go, yep. please get at us yes. sh- at Ship Hits Pod. Um, we just got some uh, a video from the Halifax Museum. Yep. For the explosion, people have been to the Peter Eardale. We love, 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 love to see this stuff. Yeah, uh, it's still there today, and the Vasa remains the only preserved 17th-century warship that exists in the world, giving us major insights into shipbuilding technology of the time. Naturally, it has become a hugely popular tourist attraction. The Vasa can now be seen on souvenirs like T-shirts, mugs, refrigerator magnets, and posters. Please send us a T-shirt if you can. Uh, yeah. Size medium. For me. I'll also wear a medium, but yeah. I will be cutting the sleeves off, so make sure they know that when you buy it. Yeah, if you can pop the sleeves off in advance, that would be <laughs> that would be best. The Vasa has also become a popular and widely recognized symbol of the Swedish Empire in the 17th century, which is maybe not the kindest comparison, given <laughs> what happened to it. But very cool looking. Yeah. So, that's the story of the Vasa, but interestingly, the ship lives on in other ways to this day. To talk about that, we have to get back to the Vasa's faulty design. After it was salvaged, experts measured the wreck and determined that it was so unstable it would have healed over even in a light breeze of four knots. Uh, And it's no mystery why. The Vasa was incredibly top-heavy, weighed down by the second gun deck and the massive sculptures on its prow. Which gets to the real reason why it sank, because nobody involved had the guts to tell the king that the ship was a disaster waiting to happen. Over the years, the sinking of the Vasa became an important lesson in the world of business management, and it's still studied by experts to this day. Huh. Yeah. The management world even uses the term Vasa syndrome when referring to problems of communication and management that causes projects to fail. Oh, wow. Yeah, they had to figure something else out because for a while they tried synergy. Oh. Yeah, okay. and that didn't really roll off yeah. the tongue. That's a real thing. That's okay. true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Vasa I feel sind- like that's a very common, I mean, yeah, nobody wants to give the boss bad news. Like mm-hmm. that's, yep. I don't think you need a word for that, a phrase for that. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. You know it when you see it. Inept management. Um, Vasa Sender refers to the need to stay realistic in terms of strategy and project management. Also, organizations need to keep their goals matched to their capabilities. We'll be doing seminars on this at if, if you have any like business events coming up that you want to book us for in like a Marriott. <laughs> yeah. The Vasa was the star citizen of its day. That's a video game for our... A lot of feature creep. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So there you go. The Vasa was both a ship disaster and a management lesson that survives to this day. King Gustavus Adolphus would be proud or he'd just want his ship back. Uh, or 
he'd get shot in the head several yeah, years. Yeah, just as a, a reminder of how fleeting some things can be relative to... So, so this ship sat on the bottom of the sea for 300 years. Mm-hmm. King uh, Gustavus Adolphus was killed four years later in battle at the age of 37. He oh, was, wow. Yeah. I forget how young all these I people know, are. Right? Which is like the that ripe old age. That could have been age. me. Yeah. Yeah, that's like me <laughs> nine years ago. You could have gotten an out, Brian. I would have been in high school with that guy. Well, maybe maybe just missed him. But yeah, so, he so, I'm sure he would have been a legend at the school still. Oh, my God. He would have been a private school. Come on. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, he, he got separated from his, his riders in battle, I think, against the Holy Roman Empire. Okay. Uh, a bullet crushed his left arm below the elbow. Um, his horse was shot. And then I think he got stabbed in the back and shot and got shot in the temple. So he did not go out well. Wow. <laughs> he, did, he probably in that moment was like, I wish I were, you know, on a boat somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Back when we were talking about making this show, we kept returning to the widespread intrigue around the Ever Given. The massive cargo ship that wedged itself and blocked one of the most crucial shipping choke points in the world. For six days, I think. Yes. This was happening, like, while we were developing this podcast, I think, right? It happened in March of last okay. year, so a little bit before, little but, before, like, but... it stuck with us. Yeah. The memes, stories, and constant jokes about the ship were no small part of why the idea for this show came about. And here in Season 3, the Goddess of the Seas has blessed us with yet another incredible gift, another ship... That has gotten itself <laughs> stuck in the Suez Canal, <laughs> at least for copycat, a little, at least for a bit. Yeah, copycat yeah, for crime. a little. Yeah. yeah, not even copying the Ever Given, copying the the multiple ships. I think since then, yeah, have also gotten stuck. Uh, the Affinity Five is it Five or V? I <laughs> probably five. Five, right? yeah, probably five. Yeah, a crude oil tanker measuring 826 feet managed to find itself completely sideways on August 31st for around five hours. <laughs> Uh, Once freed, traffic in the canal resumed as normal, but for a brief and beautiful moment, we all got to experience a hit of that same blissful schadenfreude that we enjoyed in March of 2021. It's, it's just, oof. But it's, you know, it's like heroin. It's never the same. It, you're Mm. always chasing chasing that first first high. high. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, mm. but it's still, it's still good. I mean, it's, it's. It keeps us from getting sick. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So why does this keep happening? In the time since the Ever Given incident, multiple ships have run aground in the canal, though not quite so drastically. I'm sure it's actually probably pretty common for this thing to happen. It's just the Ever Given was there for a long, long time. time. But yeah. also, like, it shouldn't keep happening. Right. You'd think that that would be something. There's that a few was, reasons uh, you know, why. Yeah. So for one, ships today are really, really big. In order to pass through narrow man-made waterways, ships are built to take up as much space as possible while remaining technically maneuverable in these tight spaces. The best kind of maneuverability. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maneuver- yeah. Definitely. Look, look up, like, the, sh- the ship specifications for going through the Panama Canal. Because it's like, the Suez Canal is like an actual canal, but mm-hmm. the Panama Canal is like the water locks and stuff. And it is like yeah. clearance of like half a foot on either yeah, side. Yeah, yeah, Jeez. They should put some... Uh, like a tennis, they should hang a tennis like ball. Like a tennis ball, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> there have been suggestions that the size of ships should be reconsidered in the wake of this mishap, but shipping companies clearly have no interest in compromising their profit margins and no significant action has taken place. And according to the New York Times, following March's six-day blockage, neither the canal nor the shipping industry that depends on it has addressed some of the most critical issues that led to the grounding. And apparently the canal 
also has no system for keeping track of weather systems or warning ships of inclement weather. Good, good. Yes. So, in short, you can probably expect more blockages in the future, and likewise, more memes and more honorable mentions from us. Ew. Yeah. Yeah, th- thanks to everyone who... I, I, I saw something about this, and I just sat with my hands in my lap and waited two minutes for mentions to start coming into the Twitter account yep. of people tagging us. And sure enough. Ah. This was apparently also almost in the exact same spot, too, as the Evergreen. Yeah, I think it's an so. especially narrow spot that they've talked about widening, but has not happened. It's yeah. been a year and a half since the Evergiven. Yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. Let's dig know. another canal. We need backup canals, I feel like. Backup canals, and I think we should just stop using them entirely and go back to just going around a continent. Yeah. Yes, go, go around, around the horn. Well, yeah. that's, that's what was how happening we used to do it. Last yep. year, you could see the shipping like uh, records of all these ships that diverted to go under South yeah. America. A lot of uh, reject modernity, embrace tradition memes, <laughs> yeah. which was really good. Um, yeah, so that's that's uh, just a little treat for us. Yeah, yeah. and uh, thanks for listening. Go follow us on everything. Uh, we got some like kind of TikTok explainers coming out about. It's basically a condensed version of our episodes. Those yeah. are on Instagram and Got everything like else as well. Four I think, of those right? banked yeah. now. Um, and follow us, Ship Hits Pod, pretty much everywhere. Tell your moms, tell your friends. Buy our merch. Oh, yeah, we have merch. Forgot we had merch. Yeah. We never plugged that. It's great, too. It's great merch. The everyone, sweatshirt rocks. Everyone around the it office rules. wears the, uh, I don't know what it's like down there in Austin, Brian, but the Funhouse office is alight with Ship Hits merchandise. That's right. I wear it all the time around the house. No one sees it, but I, I do wear it. Right. That's the office. Your kids are huge fans, though. And they, they're they they're wearing fans. Ship Hits the yeah. Fan merchandise? Oh, yeah. Big time. Of course. Yeah. Oh, from I our, have to, From our children's line. I have to, I have to shout out Jeremy. It was a, right. chi- a childhood friend's brother who oh. I would have considered a oh, friend of mine. Oh, how did I not get that? Yeah. Yeah. Know, my mom told me that he is a big fan of the show. Oh, shout oh. out. Yeah. And he restored. I thought he died. No, oh, no. Yeah. He's, he's alive. Uh, thriving, restored a VW van. Oh, awesome. Great dude. Oh, one of those dudes. Haven't seen him in years, but a real history buff. Great. And an an enjoyer of fine podcasting. Of course. Shouts out. (laughs) Shouts out. (laughs) My mom asked me, she checked and she's like, I thought you were going to do something on your show for him. And I was like, sorry, (laughs) sorry. Oh, you're doing, you're doing this under duress. (laughs) The next episode will be a full tribute. We promise. It was so funny. She was like, I didn't hear anything in the recent episode. I was like, sorry, Mom. Mom, I'm so sorry I didn't shout out some guy. (laughs) Again, good dude. Yeah, no, no, no. Shout out. We love you. Oh, may your bones bleach in these sands. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.